Now it's on on the hot track, melt like it's hot wax. Put it out, all the stores, bet you can shop that. Leave a nigga with a hot hat, frontin' like bad boy ain't got tracks. Nigga, stop that. It's no guy slicker than this young fly nigga. Nickel nine liquor, floss you die quicker. This bedtime, out of town pie flipper. Turn Chris Dallas to a crooked eye sipper. Everybody wanna be fast, see the cash. Fuck around a weak staff, get a heat rash. What in the world is happening? Welcome back to another episode of Life in Paradise podcast with me, your host, Brandon Harper. Today is Sunday, October 30th, 2022. It is nice and sunny and cool and beautiful outside, and I'm sitting here inside recording this, so you have something to listen to. And because, you know what, I made a commitment, I'm going to do it. As much as I'd rather be outside in the sunlight, I'm inside in the air conditioning, recording a podcast. So, hope you're happy. Lots of things happening in the world right now. I feel like I'm not here to bring you news, but I am here to give you my opinion. I'm just a regular dude with a regular job and lots and lots of opinions. So I come here about once every week or so to get them off my chest. Some you'll agree with and others you won't, and I am okay with that. Hopefully you are too. I think the world would be a better place if we could all communicate and disagree without being such punks, you know? And while I think it's hilarious to laugh and poke fun of and and make jokes about people with opposing viewpoints, I also think it's important to be respectful to them and to treat them, well, treat them as good as they treat you. And for all the narratives about all the crazy right-wing, conservative, extremist, MAGA, Republican xenophobe, homophobe, transgender phobe, everything phobe, I'm here to maybe show you our point of view, that we're not all like that, I don't pretend to be non-biased, I don't pretend to not have an opinion, I don't pretend to bring you the news, I'm here to bring you my opinions, if you don't like it, that's okay, you'll find someone whose opinions you like, then you can maybe live in your own little bubble. All right, okay, I'm already starting to rant, and uh, I don't do pre-recorded intros, so sometimes this happens. All right, sit back, relax, and let me do the rest from here on out. Homie, get with ya, and hit ya, taking that gack to the neck, so you better run a shit. Cause shotgun bullets are bad for your health. Uh. That's right. So, I've got some news to share. No, I'm not getting married. I'm not getting married yet. I'm not getting married yet. But I did pass the exam to sell life insurance. I guess now I'm licensed to sell life insurance in the state of Texas. So, just uh, one step of many on the goal that I have laid out in order to uh, be able to sell financial securities and help people invest. So one of these days, I will be a financial advisor, and the ability to sell life insurance is included in that bundle. So I scored a 93 on my test. I'm real, real proud of myself. I didn't think I'd score that high because I told myself going into it, I'm just going to do the bare minimum. It doesn't matter if you get a 71 or a 99, you still get the certificate. So I went into it. I left uncertain. I, I didn't leave. I logged out. I was able to do it online, which is another story, okay? This whole, oh, you could just take it online. 
testing thing turns out to be a huge hassle. You've got to have the camera pointed at you, and you got to disconnect the camera from the monitor and show that you don't have anything to cheat all around you. And you're talking to this person from another country that you can't understand. They're trying to give you all these instructions. Let's just say I'm glad to be done with it. I'm glad to be done with it. And so my next license acquisition will be either the series. Well, I think it's called the SIE. It's like the, I don't know, it's like the basic, basic securities entrance level exam, just to make sure you understand some terminology and basic concepts of the securities industry. So I took a practice test this morning. I think I got a 35 out of 75. So it's just going to take more memorization. I understand the concepts. There's just some words that I don't know. So I'll have to sort through that, and then I will keep reporting back on my progress. Okay, all right. I don't like talking about myself much. I don't like talking about things that I do or whatever. I don't know if you could tell, but that's kind of who I am. I, I just wanted to give you guys an update. And uh, so, yeah, got a 93 on that test, and I'm on to the next one. It's a baby out here in the middle of the road, bruh. I never seen no shit like this, bruh. We on a Fitzgerald Highway, my nigga. We on a Fitzgerald Highway, bruh. It's a baby out here, bruh, on everything in the okay. middle of the road. <laughs> that clip, that video, it's 20-minute long video. I just take the best parts. Will never get old to me. It will never get old on everything. Okay, five minutes in now. All right, all right. Now, speaking of getting old, I got a couple more clips to play here, some that you have not heard yet, of your fearless leader, the President Joe Byron, who's in charge of the most powerful country in the world. Now, people forget that he ran for president in 1988. He got trounced, obviously, but the thing that ended his career or his campaign career was that he got caught. He got caught plagiarizing. He got caught stealing speeches from JFK and Kitikik, I think is his name. He was like the uh, Labor Party leader uh, in the UK at the time. And yeah, here you go. Here's, here's a two-minute clip of a little mashup of all the speeches that they caught him plagiarizing. This is in 1988. There's no telling how many more speeches he copied between 1988 and 2022. But I bet you it's more than a little bit. But this standard is not a measure of how we can evaluate the condition of our society. It cannot measure the health of our children, the quality of our education, the joy of their play. Yet the gross national product does not allow for the health of our children, the quality of their education, or the joy of their play. Let us pledge that our generation of Americans will pay any price, bear any burden, accept any challenge, and meet any hardship to secure the blessings of prosperity and the promise of opportunity for our children. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. And I started thinking as I was coming over here, why is it that Joe Biden is the first in his family ever to go to a university? Why am I the first Kinnick in a thousand generations 
to be able to get the university. Why is it that my wife, who's sitting out there in the audience, is the first in her family to ever go to college? Why is Glenys the first woman in her family, in a thousand generations, to be able to get the university? No, it's not because they weren't as smart. It's not because they didn't work as hard. It's because they didn't have a platform upon which to stand. Does anybody really think that they didn't get what we had because they didn't have the talent or the strength or the endurance or the commitment? Of course not. It was because there was no platform upon which they could stand. How are you, baby? How old are you? 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 Almost double figures. And there you go. Biden's uh, examples of plagiarizing speeches. You see, he's known for being a liar. This is not uh, this is not something new. You know, most politicians are liars, but he's been busted so many times. He said he said his son died in Iraq. Then he said his son died of cancer. And just just one after another. But you know what? Ben Trump. Now, who's responsible? I say, who's responsible for this unwarranted attack on my person? So I've got something new for you guys. I had a, an epiphany the other day. And, you know, I, I'm going to just go ahead and lay it out there. I'm going to just go ahead and say, here's my newest right wing conspiracy theory. I've got a new conspiracy theory. Call it right wing if you want to. If you don't, here's what you can do. Here's what just do this. If you don't like it, if you don't agree with my conspiracy theory, then you call it a right-wing conspiracy theory. Chances are you won't agree with it. But, oh, I mean, I'm saying you, right? People who disagree with people like me would, would automatically call it a right-wing conspiracy theory, even though it has nothing to do with left or right. See, this is how politics can work in its favor. It can just take something... And they can label it as left or right before anyone else does. They get the leg up on it. And from that point forward, you can just use that label to create negativity about your opponent. Okay? So we're going to talk about the uh, the most recent government handouts. So given, given big, big companies, big, big money, right? More money than me and you and everyone we know will ever make in our lives. These huge tech companies that do program chips and they you know there's only two or three companies in the world that can make chips like like nvidia taiwan semiconductor samsung there's a couple more but there's like four chip companies that control a vast majority of the whole chip market and so chips moving forward they're going to be a valuable resource to us like oil they're, they're going to go into, or they already do, they go into everything you can imagine. Talking your refrigerator, your air conditioner, obviously your computer, anything electronic, anything that has a thermostat or time or temperature or senses something and performs something else, right? That's the best way to think about it. If you have something that, that knows something and can do something else, then there's a chip that tells it what to do. So all these chip subsidies are coming out where the government's saying, well, we have to support the chip companies because we, um, because, uh, why do we have to? Oh, I told them about China. Yeah, because China, so we have to, um, support them <laughs> because China. Yeah, because China. And so 
in addition to all these chip subsidies, which a subsidy is nothing more than the government giving a company money or an industry money. And so what do they get for that, right? Do you think that companies take money and the person who gives them money expects nothing in return? Or typically, if you give money to someone or something that isn't someone that you care about or someone that you love or someone that you're just trying to help out of the goodness of your heart, if you award money to someone, don't you kind of respect something? Respect. I sound like Joe Biden. Don't you kind of expect something in return? I kind of like, I'll, I'll scratch your back here. Here, I'm in charge of all this money. I get to say where it goes. I get to say who gets it and who doesn't. And so I'm going to give you some. Okay, here you go. But I'm going to need this and this and that, right? It's, it's, not, a, it's not a far-fetched conspiracy theory. We're not, we're not there yet. We're just getting started. So we have... We can all admit that the government is getting highly involved into big tech and that they're subsidizing companies they want to and they're not subsidizing other companies. And so they're, they're gaining control. And I've been asking myself, why is it that the government is so hell-bent on controlling these new emerging industries? And why is it that, that the Republicans are not pushing back against this, that they're just letting it happen, that they're just going with the flow and saying, well, you know, we, we have to give up some chip subsidies in order to get, you know, this and this and that. All part of politics, right? Negotiating is part of politics. Well, that's what everyone says. So as the government gets their claws farther and farther into big tech, and when I say big tech, you know, I, and I hate the term big, like, you know, what about little tech? So, But the government is getting their claws into these big tech companies, large companies with a big market cap that do lots of business. And I think that the, the reason that they want to do this might be because they're starting to see that if they don't get control over an industry, that that industry could possibly end up more powerful than the government. And how could they end up more powerful if they can't make laws, you might ask? Well, they have the ability to disseminate information or hold back information or push narratives. They're to control the behavior of the population. If you don't think that's true, if you don't think that uh, social media and media companies and tech companies, if you don't think they have the ability to persuade behavior, you're probably listening to the wrong podcast. You should probably go listen to podcasts about how straws are ruining the earth or something like that. But if you can admit that, hey, these big companies have the ability to control the way we behave. Then you might be able to say, okay, if they have the ability to do that, could they push a narrative that could control the people in a direction away from the government if they wanted to? And I think the answer to, the, to that is yes, absolutely. I think that they could. I think the government is now seeing how powerful these tech companies are not only because how much money they have, but mainly because they have the ability to push narratives. And so they're seeing that and they're thinking to themselves, oh my goodness, what would happen if these companies decided to go rogue and people who worked for these companies could build robots that could be destruction centered or, or geared towards, imagine a, a seven foot tall robot that could go into a school and shoot people up. Imagine what, what kind of harm that could do. And so I think these are the kinds of conversations that they have behind closed doors. And they say, look, guys, look, 
we, we all know that we can't have Roma, robots roaming around that are kind of indestructible, that are kind of bulletproof, that can shoot guns and see things, and someone could just be playing a video game, and in real life they could be operating a robot. And we're not very far from this, but they could be having these conversations behind closed doors. So then they say, okay, look, we can't be having these people get more power than us. We have to control them. Well, how do we control them? We control their money. We, we keep feeding them money. We tell them, hey, as long as you keep doing what you're supposed to be doing, we'll keep feeding you money. Then you don't have any competition. Then you can go out there and just do whatever you want to as long as you stay within our parameters, and you'll make money, and everyone's happy, and the little peons of the, of the country don't know any better. They're happy to get their little self-driving cars, and we can just keep this all on the down low. Now, it might not be that exact conversation, or it might not be that forthcoming and, you know, um, outright, but I do think that those types of conversations happen behind closed doors. It would be kind of foolish to think that it didn't, because there are things that the government wants to, to remain in power of that they can't really say it. They can't, they can't put it out there and say, well... All you people, all you mechanics and doctors and engineers, you guys are all too stupid for uh, for us to let this power get out there. So we're going to have to uh, protect you guys. And, uh, yeah, they can't say that. They just have to do it behind the scenes quietly. So, yeah, so that's my latest right-wing conspiracy theory about why the government wants so much control over big tech. I mean, in the past, from what I remember... The government never really subsidizes industry until they're like on the verge of failing. And here we are taking hard-earned tax taxpayer dollars and giving them to these chip manufacturers. Some of the most profitable companies there are. The highest technology, the most skilled people. And we're giving them money and, and no one cares. That's That's really what bothers me is that even the Republicans, the Fox News, the Ted Cruz, the Dan Crenshaw, who just calls himself a Republican, these people are just keeping their mouth shut. And when when neither side raises a stink about something, or when they both agree on something, that's a red flag. In fact, it's a dead giveaway. Thank you very much. Dead giveaway. Speaking of right-wing conspiracy theories, you know what's a conspiracy theory? And I did some thinking about this over the last week. You know what we collude? You, you know what we collusion? Russia collusion? You know what we collude on? We collude on Santa Claus. We collude. Uh, if you have kids listening, it might be a good time to turn it off. I'll give you three seconds to turn it off for now. We collude on Santa Claus. We collude and we all work together to trick little children. We convince them of things that we all know aren't true. We, we're so sure in our ability to do this or that, it, that, it's, that everyone is this way that we don't even ask other parents. We just assume that their kids believe in Santa Claus. And so when, when parents, other parents see other kids and they say, Hey, little Johnny, what's Santa Claus going to bring you for Christmas? We just assume that, that the kid believes in Santa Claus. We don't need to go to each other ahead of time and, and ask, say, hey, does your kid believe in Santa Claus? We, we, we just kind of assume that. And so this, this is a type of thing that's a perfect example of something within a culture that people just follow. 
And they, they're okay with it because everyone else does it. And it's become a tradition. It's become, because it, it's not, it's not religious. It's not Christian faith. It's not based on faith or any parable of the Bible. This is just a cultural tradition. And, and to me, it doesn't really matter how or where or when it started because it's just a, it's just something we do because we do it, right? I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying we shouldn't do this, okay? I've have I've had friends who said, I'm not even going to teach my kid about Santa Claus because it's nothing to do with Christmas. And then sure enough, they teach their kid about Santa Claus. So I'm not here to say whether or not we should do it. I'm just saying that it is a conspiracy and it's collusion and we're okay with it. And because of that, I'm going to use it for an example of something else that we do. And I think that if you if you take this application and requisition and you are able to use it in the inferior complexities of this necessities and endangerments, you might agree with me. So we've been told our whole lives, oh yeah, we don't we don't we don't mention that Santa Claus is fake. We don't have to be told that. We just we don't we just don't mention it, right? We're not we shouldn't no, we shouldn't just we shouldn't talk about the fact that Certain things aren't real. So, going back to last week's podcast, I talked a little bit about Kanye West, or Yee. I'm going to start calling him Yee, because that's what he wants. I respect the guy. Call him Yee. And so, what Yee was saying was that he feels like there's a certain group of people who control a, a bunch of powerful industry, and then he's tired of it. And he, he sees that they use tribalism, and they got to stick together, and they work together so they can help each other out, and helping each other out is more of a priority than helping out the people that they represent. So this is Yee's accusation. And this, we all know now that this particular group of people are Jewish people. And so he's saying that there's a group of people and they look out for each other more than they look out for the people that they represent. And he, he says, I've been seeing this behavior that these group of people have been doing over however long he's been doing this. So whether he's telling the truth or not, I don't know. But I'm using that to, to, to keep building on this example. And so I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, very, very, very liberal friend of mine, and I said, hey, what do you think about the whole uh, situation about Kanye calling out the, the media, the Jewish media, as he calls them, and the Jewish um, artist representatives, managers and, and such? What do you think about him him calling them out because I truly am curious to know this guy's opinion. Like I really do want to know what he thinks. And I pretty much knew what he was going to say, but I still went ahead and asked him. I said, Hey, what do you think about that? And he goes, I don't know, man. You know, you just, you just can't say, you just can't say certain things about certain people. And I go, really? Like, even if it's true, even if it's true, he's like, yeah, you know, there's just been, been such a rough history there man it's just it's a delicate situation and and i i couldn't disagree with the fact that it's a delicate situation but in my book the principles that i live by tell me to call out right and wrong regardless of who is performing the behavior so i asked him i said so so it what marginalized group or who are we allowed to say oh this is the uh the middle-aged white guys or the can we, if they were all black could we say that or if they were all asian could we say that he was just like i don't know you know i don't i don't really know what would make it okay and i said well we have 
no problem saying like, oh, this is a, you're just an old white guy and we have too many old white guys. We need to get rid of more old white guys and the white guys and the white guys. We're all okay saying that. Is that because there are more white guys in power than, than any other group? And he's like, uh, you know, man, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of, del- and see, this, this is where these conversations end up. It's a lot of, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Because I'll tell you straight up, I'm of the opinion that if we see things that are going wrong, we have to call them out. We have to say, this is what I see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my experience is anecdotal. But the only way for us to compare notes is if I say, hey, guys, and, and I, I, me, I'm being yay right now. So y'all just listen up. I said, I would say, hey, if I'm being treated this way, I want to put it out there. If anyone else is being treated this way by this group of people, maybe we should have a conversation about it because I feel that the people along my path have been taking advantage of me and they haven't been looking out for my own best interest, but they've been looking out for the best interest of the people around them and their coworkers and their business partners. Now, that's not calling for a boycott. It's not saying that we should go hang these people. It's not saying that anything that happened in the past was right, but we can't ignore what's happening in the present based on our fear of hurting someone's feelings or a group of feelings about something that happened in the past that we have no control over. Now, there are some other examples at which this takes place. And you could probably, I don't, I'm not going to tell them to you. I want you to think about them. I want you to think about other types of groups of people that we're not allowed to talk about, even if we see things going wrong. And you formulate your own opinions from there. And do you think it's right? Do you you think that, you know what, it doesn't really matter what those people are doing right now. You know, it's just been a rough past. they've, They've had a rough go at it. So we have to just cut them some slack. And if that's your opinion, then that's your opinion. You are entitled to that. But I feel like that is the, that would be the opposite of my opinion. And so it makes no sense to me that we should shelter people from laws or ethics accountability because of something that happened to them in the past. I mean, call me a stupid redneck, hillbilly, right-wing, conservative, conspiracy theorist. That's fine. It's fine if you want to do that. That is okay. Me, I'm of the opinion that justice should prevail. My crew is big and it keeps getting bigger. That's because Jesus Christ is my nigga. So don't mess with me when it comes to words like that. Okay. On to my next topic. The reason people like Donald Trump so much is because they can identify with him. It's because when he talks, it's not too different from the way that they talk. It's not too far off from the way that... Here's what I was thinking about the other day. I was listening to... Oh, I don't know. Oh, I think it was Beta or, or Grab It. One of those two. One of those two goobers trying to talk. Uh, and I was thinking to myself, you know, I cannot relate to these guys at all. Our lives have been different. Our hardships have been different. Uh, everything that we've encountered through our life has been different. And I'm not blaming them or saying that my's be- my way is better than their way. I'm just saying that it's different. Just like if I went to Southeast Asia and talked to someone there, our lives would be totally different. It would be hard to find things in common. Now, I could do it because I'm good at finding things in common with people, but it would be it would be a chore to try to, to find our similarities. And so this is how I feel 
about most politicians, except Trump. Trump puts it in a way, when Trump talks to you, it's not too dissimilar than it would be if you were sitting at a bar next to someone talking to them. And because bar talk is highly understood and highly identified with, people understand Trump. They understand, they like the fact that he says what he thinks. And I do too. I think most politicians should should get away from telling people what they're told to tell them and get away from telling people what they think they want to hear and go towards telling people how the politician thinks and how, what they think is a leader. A politician, they, they should be nothing more than a representative of the people. They should carry out the wishes of the, the people who make up a society. But we, we've spun off, we spun off from that. We're now to a point where we have groups of people who think that they need to be the one making decisions for all the people. You see, most, most people who care about winning a political race, they're not normal people. They're, they're people who get off on being the center of attention. And they're people who just really enjoy being the center of power. That's what they thrive on. And so this whole, like... Extreme MAGA Republicans? Label is funny to me because there's really not anything extreme about being a majority, right? Over, well, half the country likes Trump. They supported him, and they will support him again. So for the political opponents to call that extreme, it's just a tactic. It's a tactic for the left to build hatred towards the right. It's a tactic for the left to gain votes over the right. What they're saying is, don't go with that guy. He's extreme. He's crazy. And you don't like crazy, do you? No, I don't like crazy. I like normal. But the problem is, none of these people are normal. They're not normal people. And one of the things that I'm so excited about moving into the future is the ability for normal people to start leading, to start being in charge of normal people, right? We need a representative of the population to represent us. And I hope that that leaders, true natural leaders, can actually start campaigning to win elections without having to give up everything that they do on a daily basis, right? I hope that we get to a point where it doesn't take a super wealthy business person to stop working so that they can go campaign to win and i think with the the elon movement and well trump started it all right uh and then now elon i think that these people are going to have voices they're going to have a big big voice and so they might be able to do a better job representing the normal people in the government so time will tell i wish so bad i had a fast forward button man i just I want to know so bad what life's going to look like 100 years from now. It's hard for me to focus, <laughs> kind of. Not really. I just, I don't know. I'm dying to know what the future looks like, and I've always been that way. But Back to the Future, the three-part series was my favorite movie of all time. Not favorite movie. My favorite trilogy of all time. And number two was my favorite of the three. It goes number two, number one, number three. I could take... I could take take it or leave it 
Back to the Future 3. I'd I, I give it like a 5 or 6 out of 10. But Back to the Future 2, man, I could not watch that movie enough. Billions and 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 billions. I was talking to my homeboy cousin Harry the other day, and we were talking about what what foods Americans eat that other cultures might think are disgusting. And so we kind of tossed around a few ideas, but I couldn't come up with a lot because a lot of countries copy the U.S. and our junk food and our fast food. And I know, I know, there's someone out there saying, Well, the reason we're all so fat is because we all have so much junk food and it's not good that everyone just copies us. I'm not saying it is good. I'm just saying they do it. That is all. So file that away for a second. And then I was, um, oh, well, we're going to start doing this new thing at the brewery. It's going to be called Tableside S'mores, where we take take a little tray. We give you a little uh, burner that runs on sterno fuel, give you some marshmallows, some chocolate, some graham crackers, and some little sticks, and you can make your own s'mores right there at your table. And so I was asking a friend of mine who's not from the U.S., if she had heard of s'mores and she's like, no, I have no idea what that is. So I got to looking it up and here's an interesting fact that I wanted to share with you. That has nothing to do with Joe Biden is that s'mores were invented in what year? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say it. You're going to guess it. S'mores were invented in that's right. 1927. You got it. So s'mores were invented in 1927. Where was the first recipe for s'mores scene. How did you know? The Girl Scout cookbook. You're absolutely right. So here's just another example of something that can exist in our culture, and it's so familiar to us. We understand it. We've been around it. We understand all the nuances and every little thing about it, but people who haven't been here know nothing of the such. So I was explaining to my friend, I said, hey, it's uh, so it's marshmallows and chocolate. And they were like, oh, good chocolate or bad chocolate? I'm like, oh, okay, because, yeah, I know, Americans, we eat bad chocolate. I know, I get it. So I explained to her what it was, and then I was like, graham cracker. She's like, what is graham cracker? And I was like, oh, that's kind of hard to explain, too. So anyway, I just wanted to to share with you when s'mores were invented and also, just to give another example of how something can be so deeply embedded in your culture and someone else can have no idea it even exists. And so, because we were brought up on s'mores and we associate them with campfires and it's got a good meaning to us, we don't understand how someone from the outside coming in can be like, that's gross. But the same thing holds true with Taco Bell. <laughs> I stand on my belief that if Taco Bell was invented tomorrow, they would never make it. But the reason that we keep eating Taco Bell is because we were raised eating Taco Bell. And I think the same thing holds true in some of the things that we think in regards to who's in power and who's making decisions. And that the reason that we keep doing things 
is because we've always done them. I have a good story that I tell every now and then. I've probably told it on here before, but it's called The Theory of the Apes. In fact, I think it was less than a year ago, but I'll give a quick rundown because I've got some new listeners. So The Theory of the Apes. I learned this when I worked for a home building company uh, out of college. And so what it does is it challenges you to, to challenge methodology and the way things are done. So I don't know if this is true or not, but I think it could be true if it wasn't. So if you take a group of gorillas, you put them in a big cage, tons of space for their, they have room to roam around. They're not, they're not confined, right? Tons of tons of space. So they put them in this cage. Let's just say 10 of them. There's a platform. There's a little stairway leading up to the platform. On top of the platform, the experimenters drop in a big pile of bananas. Immediately, the gorillas go running up there to get the bananas. As soon as they get to the top of the platform, they bring out this super strong water hose, and they spray them all, and it knocks them off, and they fall. And they're like, dang, dude, that sucked on one of those bananas. But they knew that if they went up there, they'd get sprayed with the water hose, and they'd get knocked off the platform, and they'd They'd be in pain and discomfort. They wouldn't get the bananas. Over time, they would keep repeating this. They would drop in some fresh bananas. And when the gorillas went up there, they would spray them and knock them all off. And so they'd do this over and over again. Eventually, the gorillas wouldn't go up there. They're like, no, dude, we learned our lesson. We're not going up there. We know that you're going to spray us. So once they had all the gorillas believing that they were going to get sprayed, they pulled one gorilla out and they put a new gorilla in there who had never been in the cage before. Well, when they dropped the bananas on that platform, the new gorilla immediately started running up there to get the bananas. And all the other gorillas grabbed him and were like, no, bro, don't go up there. It sucks. And so obviously gorillas can't talk to each other. So they stopped him from going. And he was like, okay, cool. I guess we're not supposed to go up there. So then they would take out another old gorilla and put in a new fresh gorilla. And they would keep repeating that process. Eventually, they had all gorillas in the cage that had never seen anyone get sprayed off the top of the platform. So what ends up happening, they still stop each other, but nobody knows why, right? They can't talk to each other. Gorillas can't talk. So they just know that over time, they've been told, don't go up there. And so they just don't go up there. But who knows? Maybe they would have stopped spraying the water hose at them, and maybe they could have got some bananas. We don't know. But this sort of thing just further explains my example about how a behavior that's embedded into a culture can just exist into perpetuity without questioning or reason. So I think it's good and it's healthy and it's proper to question things and to not be scared of a marginalized group of people getting their feelings hurt if you think you have a valid concern. I want to leave you again with the Gators chant that I just love. One, two, three, four, five. Then the Gators don't take no jive. <laughs> I yield back the balance of my time. Oh, yes. That was an actual speech brought to you by Corinne Brown. Go Gator. Go Gator. And now I suppose the question... I've been philosophizing and theorizing lately, and I've come to the conclusion that I'd like to share a question with you. I don't know why I'm speaking in this voice, but I feel like it's kind of appropriate because it's Hallow's Eve. And that question is, what exactly is woke? You know, we hear the term all the time, 
woke this and woke that and woke goes broke and woke, woke, and he woke, woke, woke. So I was thinking the other day, or actually this morning, what is woke and why do I despise it? What is it about woke that I do not like? And all this was derived from a conversation that I had with someone who said something along the lines of, That's not funny. Which... Apparently now we live in a world where if you say something that someone doesn't think is funny, that just means that they don't think you should say it. So now we're we're being held to the standards of someone's sense of humor, which I do not like, and I will not comply to that. But regardless, I wanted to break down what is woke. And so what I th- what what do I think is woke? Okay, here's here's what I I'm gonna try to sum it up as shortly as possible. What I think woke is, is telling or expecting someone not to do something or say something or think something because you don't agree with it. Or, or one person holding everyone else to their standards. And obviously this excludes things that are outside of the parameters of the law, right? We can't, you can't accuse someone of being woke if they expect people to follow the law, at least I can't, I can't. If someone's like, dude, you did that. That's illegal. I wouldn't say, why are you so woke, bro? But if somebody says something like, that's not funny. You shouldn't joke about climate change. I will say you shouldn't be so woke, bro. You don't want to hear my new pickup line. It goes like this. What's up, girl? Are you a booster shot? She's going to say, no, why? Because you just made my heart explode. Brandon, that's not funny. Well, guess what? I don't care. I do not care what you think is funny and what you don't think is funny. And you know what? I don't care if you feel the same way about me. In fact, it would be boring if everyone thought the same things were funny all the time. So somehow or another, we, we ended up here where we have a group of people who think that if you do not agree with their opinions, that that you are somehow less than them, that you don't deserve certain things in life, that you fall into a category, uh, a label of a group of people that is probably incorrect. And what the most amazing thing about these people, the types of people who characterize and generalize you as being an extreme fill-in-the-blank and something that you're not are the exact same group of people who say things like, we should be accepting and tolerant of all people regardless of what they are, their religious backgrounds, or where they're from, or what they think. It's the same people. And that's why I, I try to remain as unbiased as I possibly can. I know it's not possible for anyone to be unbiased, but I really do try to look at a situation from a 50,000 foot perspective and to try to figure out, okay, these people feel this way. Why? And that's where I'm at. I really do think it's silly for people to expect everyone to feel the way as they do. So let me just give an extreme example. Okay. There's a guy. He's in prison. He's a skinhead. He hates everyone of all different races, colors, whatever. 
right? He's got white skin. He's got a skinhead. He's got Nazi tattoos. He hates anyone of any race except for white, straight. Now, there's people out there who think that that guy should be thrown in jail and that that guy should be cut off and not be able to receive mail and that that guy should not be able to go shopping and that he should not be able to do all the things that other people can do. Now, me, I don't think that guy should be cut off from anything. I don't think that we should not send mail to his house, which you think I'm kidding. A lot of these uh, guys that are labeled as right-wing conspiracy theorists, they can't get a FedEx account. They, they've been so far canceled that they can hardly get mail to their house. And I just disagree wholeheartedly with the notion that that's a good thing. I think people should, should be able to have the ability to speak what they think, whether or not we agree with it. We don't have to agree with it. We, we, can, we can disagree and say, you're an idiot. I think you're stupid for thinking that. Go on about your life and let me know how it works out for you. Because true extremists, they don't get any traction. No one really listens to them. Except, I mean, you look at someone like Alex Jones, right? Alex Jones. He's, he throws out some crazy conspiracy theories. Not a lot of people take him seriously, and that's fine. We, no one has to take him seriously. I will say he's been right on a lot of things. Now, he's been wrong on some things too, but he's also been right. But that's what happens when people, when their ideology goes against what's considered mainstream, they're automatically labeled as invalid. And I think that's something that we should we should aim to change, right? I mean, if somebody thinks that we should have open borders and more crime and that we should have drag shows and daycares and they think that, you know, all these things that I disagree with, I still don't think we should treat them any different. Now, if they're breaking the law, then yes, they should get punished. But the idea of just shutting up your opponent is just weak. It tells me that you don't have an argument against them that you don't have a, a bullet point to counter their opinion. So what do you do? You just call for silent. And so that's that's my opinion on woke. I would love to hear your opinion on woke. What do you think woke is? Is woke just a social construct that's just made up and doesn't actually exist? Or, or is it, do you think it's people wanting to do good, looking out for marginalized groups of people who cannot look out for themselves? And that's fine if you think that. I don't know how you made it through this entire podcast, if that's how you think, but that's okay. That's okay. In fact, I would love to have you on. If you disagree with me on my viewpoints on what woke is, come on here. Let's talk about it. Or, you know what? Even better yet, just leave me a bunch of nasty comments. And to get hot, I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn, uh, um, blonde in the sun and the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again they look at it so I learned about roaches I learned about kids jumping on my lap I still don't understand how he goes from the kids touching his hairy legs and sitting on his lap to roaches okay to me that sounds so racist imagine if Trump was sitting up there addressing a group of black people. And then all of a sudden he said, I learned, I learned, serious, I learned about roaches. I learned about roaches. Everyone would say, oh my gosh, is Trump talking about roaches? He's, he's saying that all black people are roaches. Do you see the inconsistencies here? That's really all I ask. 
All I really want for people to take away from this podcast is to spot inconsistencies on their own and be able to break them down. That's really about it. That That's it. As much as I love to tell you about my opinions and get them off my chest, my goal is to convince or teach everyone, and as I continue to learn how to do this too, is to look for the components of arguments and say, well, if this is true, then this can't also be true, or if this is true, then this also has to be true. Because really, that's that's all an argument is, or that's all a debate is, is taking two separate points and trying to find the middle point at which point your opinions diverge. If you're having a disagreement with someone that you care about, the goal should be, you know, figuring out where where specifically or specifically, as Sheila Jackson Lee would say, do we disagree? And the example that I always use is abortion. I'm pro-life. I'm pro-death, uh, pro-choice. Well, you're right. I'm wrong. But in reality, the thing that those two people disagree about is where does life begin? Because we can all agree that before the sperm fertilizes the egg, there is no life. And we can also agree that the day before the baby is born, there is life. So somewhere in that spectrum, life begins. And if we can agree, if we can all agree on that point, then there would be no more debate about abortion. But see, the media needs things like that. The media and the government and these people who work together to control what gets broadcasted need things like that. They need things that are highly divisive. Because if we're down here arguing with each other, we're not going to look up and see them on their thrones smoking cigars and drinking scotch together. And maybe if we did that, we would say, oh, you know what? There's bigger problems. There's more going on than whether or not the federal government should make it legal to force states to allow abortion. Because that's what this whole thing's about. It's not about whether or not abortion is legal or illegal. It's just about whether or not states have the right to decide. But because the people who are sitting in the thrones are pretty smart. And they think to themselves, if we can get them all divided on abortion, then we can go over here and we can pump billions and billions of money of, of dollars into big tech and then we can control them and then that way we can make sure that we have a say in the technology that happens and that we have a role in developing artificial intelligence because we pay them we write their paycheck if you if you had to make someone do push-ups or sit-ups to get a welfare check they would do it they would do it they want the check so if they just have to comply a little bit to get their check, they're just like, fine, whatever, I'll do it. Let me just give me the check. And so this is how it's going to be with, with big tech, chips, and a government forever and ever. Amen. Pay them more. Pay them more. Pay them more. My goodness alive. I have been ranting and rambling and talking for 51 and a half minutes now. Dude, I had no idea it was 4.45. Actually, it's been way longer than 51 minutes because y'all don't know it, but I stop and I go back and I add stuff and I take stuff out most of the time. Every now and then I do some straight runs, but today has been a little bit of uh, a little bit of messing around in the middle. So 
Anyway, with all that, I will wrap this show up. I will do a little bit of editing, and then I'll post it. And you can share it with all your friends. Don't be scared about what your friends might think about you because you listen to this show. Be proud. Be proud that you have opinions that you're not scared of and that you agree with this stupid guy who rants on some podcast in some little town in some little state somewhere. What what has he done? What are his opinions? You could say, I don't know, but I kind of agree with him. So I hope everyone has a wonderful week. Early voting has started, so I encourage you to go get your vote on. Because if you wait till Election Day, something could go wrong. You could get a flat tire, your car could break down, and then you wouldn't get to vote. And I encourage you to vote, because there's people out there that live in countries that would give their pinkies to vote. So don't just go vote. Do your research. Figure out who you're going to vote for. And then go vote. Don't go vote for the sake of voting, by golly. And no matter what, do not vote for people based on their skin color. Do I make myself clear? Mm. Thanks so much for listening to Life in Paradise podcast. Have a great week. Go vote. Do something special. Be nice to everybody. And keep it tranquilo. Mm.